Amen. Let's look at Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. I thought about since it's my birthday, I would change the numbers around, but I'm going to be 67. That would make me 76. I said, ain't going to work. Amen. <laughs> you get up in the higher numbers, it doesn't matter how you move them around. You're still in bad shape. Amen. I'm going to share a message that I've done what I could. And <laughs> I really have been praying about a message for years that the Lord laid on my heart. I don't know if he laid it on my heart or whatever, but I've been uh, praying about preaching a message entitled, You Got What You Wanted, But You Lost What You Had. And uh, I may develop a message on that someday. I don't know. And, uh, but anyway, I've done what I could. Mark chapter 14 and uh, verse 1. After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread, when the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death, but they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of uh, spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of this ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She is uh, come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priest to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he saw how he might conveniently betray him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be here tonight. And uh, Lord, we appreciate the children singing tonight. And uh, Lord, it's always an exciting time when we hear our young people uh, testify the goodness of God through scripture memorization and uh, Lord through singing we're thankful, Lord, for the special music tonight and for the choir music and congregational songs, Lord, and music ministers to our hearts, and we're thankful for that. And we pray now that you would just bless the preaching of the Word of God, that we might continue to sense the presence of the Lord in this place. And, Lord, you might show us that all you require of us is just do what we can. And Lord, I'm thankful for this passage of Scripture. Help us to glean some truths that will encourage us and strengthen us tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Where our text verses, verse 8, she, Jesus said, She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. She hath done what she could. I've done what I could. And oftentimes people feel discouraged. They feel defeated because of the fact maybe... They're not able to do something that someone else can do. And uh, as a result of it, they, they're fearful of getting involved in ministry or trying to reach out to accomplish something. 
when the, real, the, real, the reality is that God just wants to bless us for doing what we can do. Uh, we know that in the passage here, Jesus is at Bethany. Uh, it's just prior to his betrayal. And as we read through this chapter down to verse, four, uh, verse 11, uh, we saw very quickly that Judas goes out and betrays the Lord and takes money and sets up the things in place and in order to be able to uh, turn him over unto the chief priests and the scribes. And, uh, but right now he's in the household of Simon the leper, uh, having a supper, having dinner. And as he is there, Lazarus is present during this time. We also that know that Martha is present serving at this time. And we also know that the disciples are with Christ. And so there's this gathering together to enjoy this fellowship just prior to the betrayal that Christ will go through and dying on the cross. Mary comes in in the middle of this, and the Bible says that she comes in and anoints the head of Jesus uh, with a, in John chapter 12 and verse 3, it says, with a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly. In our chapter here, where we read in verse 5, it said, For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and been given to the poor. The value of what she is, uh, the oil that she's anointing the head of Christ, is uh, equal, he says here, 300 pence. In these days of, of Christ, when this event is taking on, the average salary per day was one penny per day. And uh, so if it was 300 pence, that means it was worth about a year's salary. 300 pence would be equal to like 300 days of salary for the average person that worked. And so uh, Judas and the others that are there just look at this anointing oil that is being poured on Christ as being wasted. And as a result of it, Jesus would remind them that she has come aforetime to anoint my body for burying. The interesting thing is Mary did not go to the tomb to anoint the body of Christ. She already did here at the supper in Bethany. And uh, so uh, this whole family trio is there, Martha, Lazarus, Mary. Uh, Martha, we know, is cumbered about, as we read in other chapters of the Gospels. She's a cumbered about with much service and complains to Jesus about uh, that but so Martha would represent service to us, someone walking, someone fellowshipping, someone doing something in the, in light of service. And sometimes what happens, we if we're not careful, we get so caught up in the doing that we forget about who it is we're doing it for. And so Martha would represent service. Lazarus was there, and Lazarus certainly was dear to the heart of Jesus, and Lazarus would represent communion, uh, that fellowship with the Lord, and, and uh, how we desperately need to serve the Lord, and yet we desperately need to have that time of communion and just fellowship with the Lord. And then, of course, Mary is there. She would represent worship with a grateful heart. Mary would bow down and worship. She would sit at the feet of Jesus. And so, uh, really, at this dinner, we see uh, three whole fold uh, unveiling, if you will, of the character, the characters that are present, helping us to know what our relationship with Christ should be. It should be one of service, 
one of communion and one of worshiping God. Mary had uh, learned the power of silently listening to the Lord. You know, we're supposed to quietly, patiently wait on the Lord. We're to listen and he'll speak to us. And so Mary had, had learned that power of being silent before Christ. Uh, she would be the one who would recognize her, uh, her Savior, Jesus, as a great prophet that was prophesied. She would uh, grieve when recognizing uh, this matter of Jesus Christ as a sympathizing high priest. And she, in this chapter, anointing his head with oil, it demonstrating her understanding that he is her king. Because as David would be anointed of oil by Samuel to be king of Israel, it's very significant. Mary has recognized Christ as prophet, priest, and king. And so there's so much we can glean out of this chapter just with the characters that are there and all that is going on. But I want us to focus in on just one aspect of what Christ said, she hath done what she could. And so have I done, I have to ask myself, have I done what I could? Have you done what you could in the matter of serving the Lord, the matter of worshiping the Lord, and the matter of communing with the Lord? Have you done what you could? Or is there more that you can do? And uh, I'm just thankful that the Lord never expects out of us to go beyond our gifts and talents that he has given us, but he does expect for us to take what he has given and surrender it completely unto Christ. And that's exactly what Mary is doing when she anoints the head of Christ with this oil that cost her a year's wages. There were those that thought it was a waste. You know, sometimes I, I've just heard over the years, I've watched this over the years, if a young couple decides that they're going to surrender their life to be a missionary, go on some foreign field somewhere, out in some jungle somewhere, and just give their life. And people have, I've heard people look at it, what a waste. What a waste. They're, they're giving up their whole life. Is it a waste? They're simply doing what they can because God laid it on their heart to serve him and to worship him and to commune with him. There is nothing that you can do for Christ that is a waste. And I know I did, preached a message in a similar passage of this entitled, Is It a Waste? And I don't know, that was probably about six months ago I preached that message, Is It a Waste? Your life is not wasted when it is surrendered to Christ. Your labor and your work for God is not wasted when you just simply do what you can do for the glory of God. So I have done what I could. Look at a couple of things here. First of all, I want us to think of the opportunity. When you think about Mary anointing Christ, she is able to go in there and anoint him because of the opportunity that is set before her. In Matthew chapter 26, we have a parallel passage in reference to what is taking place. And uh, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 1, notice that the Jewish leaders were wanting to do whatever they could in, uh, in plotting to kill Jesus Christ. 
And it says, And it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know, after two days uh, is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and scribes and elders and the people unto the palace of the high priest uh, who was called Caiaphas. Now in chapter 14 of Mark where we read, it is very clear that they had plotted with Judas to betray the Lord and to take him and uh, uh, imprison him and crucify him. And so there are opportunities for us to do what we can for the Lord even in the midst of the plotting and the fighting against Jesus Christ. The world, listen, the prophecy does not say that the world becomes excited about the Lord as he comes closer to his return. The prophecy does not declare that, uh, that there will not be persecution and suffering as a Christian. But yes, there, there may be suffering and there may be persecution and there may be opposition, but there is always opportunity. It does not matter what the difficulty may be. You might be put in prison for preaching Christ and start a prison ministry, amen? You know, somebody may beat you up and put you in the hospital, then start a ministry to the hospital, amen? And wherever you are, God can make a door and a way to give you an opportunity to testify of who Christ is. And that's what Mary is doing when she anoints Christ with this oil, and so there's opportunity, even in the midst of the Jewish leaders plotting to kill Jesus Christ, Mary takes on herself the opportunity to be able to glorify the Lord. We know also that Judas chooses to criticize. We saw that in chapter 14, but in Matthew 26, verse 8, it says, When the disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? In our text in chapter 14 of Mark, it was Judas who was upset because this could have been sold and given to the poor. There, I just thought of this, that when you do what you can, there's always somebody who's going to criticize. It doesn't matter. I don't care if it's in the secular world or if it's in the Christian realm. There's always somebody who's going to criticize. And uh, I just, I've seen that over the years, no matter what you do, somebody's not satisfied with it. No matter what you do, somebody's always upset about what you're doing. But in the midst of criticism, there is opportunity to glorify God if you just do what you can. And I, I know this, I've, I had to learn over the years, I thought I would be able to be a, a blessing to many people and everybody would love me and everybody would like everything that I do. And I found out very quickly that is not the case. And, uh, but I have found out also, because years ago, I always felt like I couldn't accomplish anything for God because of criticism, because of opposition. And I realized this, that in the midst of criticism, there is an opportunity to be able to glorify Jesus Christ. And so Mary ignored the criticism. She ignored the oppression and she still anointed the head of Jesus Christ to, and worshiped him and uh, glorified him. So there's opportunity. Notice also that Peter missed his opportunity in several ways in Matthew 26. First of all, in verse 32 of Matthew 26, he boasted when he should have been listening. 
In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 32, and Jesus is speaking here, he says, But after I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. And Peter said, answered and said unto him, Though all men should be offended because of thee, yet I I'm sorry, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter said unto them, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also all the disciples. Now we know the rest of the story. The rest of the story is that Peter, before the cock crows in the morning, Peter denies the Lord three times. He had an opportunity to glorify the Lord. But he didn't do what he could in speaking and glorifying to God because he had a missed opportunity because when he shouldn't have been, he was boasting when he should have been listening to what Christ had to say. Don't 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 go around tooting your own horn. Don't don't talk go around talking about how great you are. Uh, you know, Jesus, listen, if he could speak through Balaam's donkey. Uh, what is there for us to boast about in being able to speak, speak in reference to the praises of God? You know, you think of the, the uh, things of the insignificance that Christ used to bring himself glory. What in the world do we, we have to boast about of ourselves? And I, I remember when I was in Bible college, just one fellow came to school. I think I was a sophomore if I remember correctly, and he came in, and I'll tell you, this fellow, he could not say a sentence without using the word I. And all he talked about was how he was, I'm committed to the Lord. And if I don't preach, I know God's going to strike me dead. And I'm going to tell you one thing, I'm going to preach the word of God till I die. And I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this other thing. Within six months, he was out of school. And the last I heard, he was back into the world defiling himself. Why? You need to listen to what God has to say rather than boasting about who you think you are. Because in the midst of boasting about who you are, you're not doing what you could do because of the fact the Lord is trying to warn you this is something that you need to do and what you need to focus on. And we don't hear it. Opportunities come through listening to what Christ has to say. So he boasted when he should have, been, should have listened. In verse 36 through 46 of Matthew 26, he slept when he should have prayed. In uh, verse 36, Then cometh Jesus unto them to a place of Gethsemane, and saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter. I think it's interesting that he finds all the disciples sleeping, but he addresses Peter. He saith unto Peter, what could you not watch with me one hour? Opportunity is missed when you're sleeping instead of praying. We need to not just listen to God, but we need to talk to God because then we'll find out what it is he'll 
and able us to do. And we can say, I could do, I, I did what I could. I did what I could. And Peter is rebuked for sleeping. So he missed his opportunities. Notice he fought when he should have surrendered. In verse 47 of chapter 26, it says, And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came with him with a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders and the people of the people. And he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, the same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them, which was with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. You know, the interesting thing is that Jesus had been communicating to Peter all the way back in the beginning of the chapter, even prior to this uh, time period in his life, that he was going to go to Jerusalem, suffer many things, be crucified, die, be buried, and rise again. And Peter, because he was not listening, he was boasting. And because he was sleeping, instead of praying, when it came time to surrender, he thinks he can take on a spiritual battle in the flesh. And if we're not praying and seeking the Lord, we'll think that we can live our Christian life in the flesh, which you can. It's a spiritual battle. And we want the opportunity to do what we can for the glory of God. But it is not going to happen if all we're going to do is fight without surrendering unto the Lord. And so another other thing here in verse 75 of chapter 26, he wept when he should have repented. It says, And Peter remembered the word Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. I think the weeping brought him to a spirit of repentance. Well, I believe that because I've seen him in the upper room and he gets right with Christ when he is there and the communication that Christ has with him after his resurrection. But I'm going to tell you, when Peter saw the lost opportunity that he had, it ripped his heart out uh, because Jesus looked into his very soul and he went out and wept bitterly. Opportunity, opportunity. God gives us opportunities to do what we can. And so if we can focus on Christ, listen to what he has to say, surrender our life completely, and be repented unto the Lord, then we won't miss the opportunity that God wants us to be used to glorify him. You know, Jesus is planning in this chapter and in the uh, uh, the chapter 14, to glorify his father. In chapter 26, I think that's where I'm at, in verse 39, I think it's a verse I want, I don't know, might not be. Uh, yes, in verse 39, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible that this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And Christ, everything he did, he did to bring glory to his father. John 17, the prayer that he has, offers up for his disciples and for us, was all in reference to him bringing glory to his father. And so the opportunity of Christ on this earth and offering himself on the cross is a means of being able to 
glorify his Father which is in heaven. Mary, in our chapter, is simply expressing devotion to her Savior. Because verse 7 says, For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good, but me ye have not always. And so Mary was simply expressing her devotion to Christ above everything else. And oftentimes what we do is we miss the opportunities to glorify our God and to be able to do what we can do is because of the fact that we're too disconnected. We have too many, as they say, irons in the fire. We have too many things that are drawing us from one way to another thing to another thing. Reading uh, statistics on uh, church growth and church ministries nowadays and and all these studies are showing the biggest problem in the church of Jesus Christ in 2019 is too many distractions. Now we've got we've got our soccer games to go to, football games to go to, basketball games to go to, our entertainment, our recreation, our fishing, our shopping. We have all these things that we're just consumed with. Where's our devotion to Christ? And see, Martha was cumbered about with much, and she's in that bracket where we are. Now she's running around here as Mary just sitting at the feet of Jesus and anointing his head, preparing his body for burial. She was expressing devotion. Sometimes you just got to say no. And I've been learning. I've been learning. Sometimes I just have to say, no, I can't go there. No, I can't do that. No, I can't be at that situation. You just have to be willing to say no because you have got to take time to be alone with the Lord so you can be prepared for the opportunity that he brings your way so you can do what you can do. You can't do what you can do if you're, if you're distracted and removed from the opportunity. So I see opportunity. I see sincerity here because in verse 8, it just simply says she has done what she could. She has come aforetime to anoint my body to the bearing, sincerity. Uh, literally, Mary is just sincere in her surrender to Jesus Christ. And uh, we just need to allow the Lord to just move in our hearts and enable us just to be committed to him and to him alone and sincerely surrendering to Jesus. You know, over the years, you know, it's just been interesting. I've had Christians testify to this and I've had experiences like that. You try to live for the Lord and you try to be surrendered to Christ. You try to do what you can for the Lord and somebody will come along and say, oh, well, you just think you're better than everybody else. No, and that's what Judas was doing. That's what they were doing. They were trying to say, oh, well, you think you're more spiritual than everybody else. Oh, you're anointing the, the uh, head of Jesus. Uh, do you understand how unspiritual you are? Here's people that are poor and they're in need, and you're not even meeting those needs. Why are you wasting that oil? They didn't understand the sincerity of Mary and just surrendering herself to Jesus Christ. In um, Luke chapter 10 and verse 39... She had a sister called Mary who was sitting at the feet of Jesus' feet and heard his word. Then in verse 42, Jesus said, But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, 
which has not which shall not be taken away from her i just know this the lord never rejects our surrender to him never what was mary doing she removed the outward distractions in her life she was not manipulated by the value of the oil she just surrendered sincerely unto christ and she was not distracted by the money of the value of that oil. She was not distracted by the comments of the crowd. She removed the distractions. And the way we completely surrender to Christ is we got to get the distractions out of our life. Don't listen to what somebody else said. If I listened, my wife and I listened to what people said to us when we felt God calling us into full-time ministry, I would not be standing here tonight. If I had, listen, when I went to Dividing Creek Baptist Church, I had a good preacher friend of mine. I actually went to Bible college with him. And because it was an older church, it had a trustee board and it had a deacon board. Here, our trustee board is our deacons. Our deacons act as our trustees of the church. And, but this church had a trustee board and he had oh, a, a deacon board. And I had a friend of mine, he told me, he said, Mike, you're out of the will of God. I was like, what in the world are you talking about? He said, that is not a scriptural church. It has a trustee board in it. And you're compromising by going down there. He told me, he told me, he said, you're going to ruin your reputation. I said, I know God is in this. I'm going down there. I can deal with a trustee board. It's not a scriptural board. So that means they have to function and operate underneath the authority of the pastor and the deacons. I have no problem with that. I said, show me in the scriptures where you can't do that. And so I went down there. Praise God. I tell you, I learned so much in six years of being in Dividing Creek. What I learned in six years in Dividing Creek prepared me to be the pastor here. My life would not be what it is today if I did not remove the distractions. Hey, folks, when I came here, you wouldn't believe how many pastors called me and told me not to come here and be the pastor of this church. I literally had preachers call me up and telling me, brother, I'm telling you right now, you go there, that church will ruin your reputation. That's what they said. You said, that's horrible. I know it is. It's terrible. But that's what they said. Now listen, at that moment, I had to make a decision. Either I was going to listen to the false accusations of somebody who absolutely didn't know this church. Or I was going to listen to what God had to say. My wife and I just sincerely, we have tried over the years, just sincerely said, Lord, whatever your will is, whatever you want to do, and if that's what your will is, we will remove the distractions. I'm not going to let people defer me from doing what I can do. And don't let the world distract you from doing what you can. You can do something for the Lord and sincerely surrender unto him. So remove outward distractions. Prepare inward devotion. If you're going to remove the outside distractions, that gives you the ability now to build an inward devotion to the Lord. You enjoy being in the presence of God. You enjoy great seasons of prayer. 
You enjoy meditating on the Word of God. As you read through the Word of God, it comes alive and it speaks so much to your heart. I'll tell you, I'm always amazed when I'm preaching and I'm reading different passages. I'm like, man, I didn't see that before. That's pretty good. I start getting excited. I have to keep myself on track or I'll never get done the message. I'll just keep going on to another message. Amen. Sincere surrender to Jesus Christ puts you in a position not just of serving him and communing with him, but it puts you in a position of adoring and worshiping him. And that's what Mary is doing. She removed the distraction, so now she's prepared for inward devotion. So sincerity and surrendering to Christ. Sincerity in reference to having gratitude towards Jesus in John chapter 11, certainly Jesus came and we know that Lazarus was uh, dead and certainly uh, those that were there wondered why he had not come. But the outcome of Mary and Martha talking with Jesus is that they were thankful. They were thankful that Jesus came even though their brother had died. And they even expressed the fact that, wait a minute, we know this, that if you were here, he would not have died. But they were thankful that he came. And so we need to sincerely surrender to Christ. And we need to surrender, uh, be, uh, sincerely show gratitude towards Christ. You know, everything doesn't work out like the way you want it. My life, really, from the time that I surrendered to go into ministry, things that God gave me his desires to accomplish in my life, he's enabled me to do that, to like thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. And God has done that over and over and over and over and over again in my life. But the reality is it did not come to pass the way I figured it would come to pass. It's completely, completely different than what in my mind I had constructed of taking place. And you, could, you can develop a heart of ingratitude. We'll say things just didn't work out the way I wanted them to work out. Let me ask you, can you be thankful to Christ that he let you do what you done and you just did what you could? And because you did what you could, you can enjoy sweet fellowship with Christ. He is also sincerely, and she is not only sincerely surrendering to Christ and showing gratitude to Christ, but she is anointing Christ. In uh, Matthew, she's anointing the head of Christ. He's anointed as the reigning king. Because Matthew presents Christ as king. In Mark, Mark presents Christ as a servant, and so she's anointing the head of Christ as the suffering servant. Because the anointing in Matthew speaks of the authority of Christ as king, the anointing in Mark identifies with is a head being anointed as the suffering servant because he's going to die and his body is being prepared for burial. But in John chapter 12, she anoints his feet and that is acknowledging that he is the eternal God because every creature bows at the feet of the God of heaven. And she anoints it. She's sincerely anointing Christ. So we have opportunity. I've done what I could. Whatever opportunity God gives me. There's sincerity. And so I've done what I could just to be sincerely surrendered unto the Lord. Dr. Malone said years ago, men remember this, that people forgive you for 
not being the greatest orator, not being the smartest person, not being a great theologian, not, not being a great administrator and organizer, but people will not forgive you for being insincere. And I'm going to tell you one thing. Sincerity covers up a multitudes of mistakes. Just be sincere. And you say, well, what does that mean? Just do what you can. And then there's the piety. The piety in Mark chapter 14 and verse 9. And verily I say unto you, wheresoever the, this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Notice it was a comprehensive, the comprehension of sacrifice. And uh, she anointed the body of Christ. She gave everything she had, a whole year's salary, to anoint uh, the Lord. And listen, God is aware of your sacrifices of praise unto him. God is aware of what it costs you to surrender completely and sincerely unto him. And he acknowledges that, wait a minute, this gospel is going to be preached. It's going to be spoken of her also, what she has done. So comprehension of sacrifice. There's a proclamation of the gospel. Uh, he says, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world. And so here she has a major part in what she is doing in presenting the gospel. What is the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. She's anointing the body of Christ. Why? She's preparing it for the death, burial, and resurrection. So the proclamation of the gospel includes what she has done. And then there's the confirmation of her testimony says this also shall she have done uh, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her and uh, i'm just thankful for different people that i can read their biographies autobiographies of great christians of years gone by and you read of what god did in their life they weren't special people they weren't above average people they weren't wealthy people they were just people like this woman, just people like Mary, who were willing to surrender everything they had so they could do whatever they could do so that the eternal Son of God would be glorified. That's all. And you say, well, you know, what great thing does the Lord want me to do? I think he just wants you to be like Mary, where you're willing to just do what you can. And God won't hold that against you. Uh, you know, I, I love singing in the choir. I love singing bass. And uh, I, I get songs sometimes over the years. We've gotten tapes of these guys that are tenors. And I tell my wife, I, I can sing that. And she says, no, you can't. And I said, yes, I can. And I'll start trying to practice it at home. And she says, it sounds terrible. And no, she didn't really say it that bad. And uh, she's like, no, that doesn't fit your voice. I was like, oh, well, I'm going to sing it anyway. She's like, no, you're not. You know, <laughs> If I could sing with a high tenor note, you'd never shut me up. You ought to be thanking God he gave me a bass voice, amen, because I'd be singing all the time. And sometimes I remember over the years I've thought, man, if I could just sing better. Amen, Jim. I know how you feel, brother. <laughs> 
if I could just sing better. And God's like, just do what you can do. Amen. Amen. I went off to Bible college. I couldn't sing eight notes. And I'll tell you, my voice was so dried up and raspy from smoking so many stinking cigarettes. You know what God did? God healed my throat. God gave me the ability to preach. He gave me the ability to be able to sing a couple songs once in a while. And I'm telling you, all you have to do is just do what you can. And that's why Paul said you don't compare. Comparing ourselves with ourselves is not wise. I can look at other people and say, well, I just can't do that. So I can't do anything for God. God's not pleased. God's not glorified with me. No, she just did what she could. And I believe with all my heart, there are things that you can do that God will be glorified if you just do what you can. Amen. And when we do what we can, not only is God's glorified, people's needs are met, worship is enhanced, ministry is uh, opened up wide opportunities, just doing what you can. I've done what I could. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, uh, that you don't expect things from us that we can't do. There are things you may lead us to do that you'll give us grace and power that's supernatural that we do out of the realm of our ability, but God, basically, you've begun a good work in us. And Lord, you're just going to continue to do that work until the day of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, just to do what we can and do it all for the glory of Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's